Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the winter workshops that are coming up this year. And also we're going to tackle your calls and agronomic questions. Our phone lines will be open throughout the entire show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us an email if you'd like, radio at agphd.com. We get a lot of questions from people, Brian. I'm, I'm, I'm still a little surprised by this, but, but maybe we're getting some new listeners all the time. But we get questions like, you know, boy, it should be nice if you guys look at a soil test for me. I'd love to get your opinion, that kind of thing. And we even get some emails saying, you know, boy, it should be nice if I could get your opinion on one of my soil tests. Send them to us. We'll definitely take a look. We we really enjoy getting questions. We enjoy helping farmers out. And we enjoy just having a conversation about it, too. So if you want to, you can sure send us a soil test or send us uh, what's going on in your farm, what the problem is, and, and give us a phone call, too. We'd love to chat with you about it if you want to have a little back and forth with us. Um, we've got a number of things, Bren, that we've had for questions around Will there be winter workshops this year? Can you still do meetings? You know, different parts of the country and certainly around the world are shut down. And there are a lot of things happening virtually now. And, and certainly there's always a possibility for virtual. But but our winter workshops are something that I know a lot of farmers like to attend. Yep, definitely. So let me let me first give you a little update on what we know today in terms of the vaccine. Already in our state of South Dakota, over 1% of our population has been vaccinated. And when you look at the state's plan in terms of vaccinations, uh, the frontline healthcare workers are going to be done next week already. And we're actually, and they're priority 1A, 1B is nursing home residents and or long-term care residents. And those people are already getting vaccinated. So literally in our state, we're going to be on to 1C, 1D, 1E. Well, guess what? Two pre-existing conditions is 1D. Ag workers are 1E. So before we even get to phase two, I mean, most of our listeners, maybe if you're in South Dakota, for example, I'm talking about our state's plan. So I don't know what your state's plan is, wherever you live. But anyway, the point is it might be January or February and farmers are able to start getting the vaccine. So if that's something you want to do, I'm simply saying it, it it's not that far away, especially now that two vaccines in the United States are approved between Pfizer and Moderna. So that's exciting. But I, I will just tell you for our January and our February winter workshops, we're only going to have one each month. It's going to be right on our home farm at the Morton Center, right at the site of the Ag PhD Field Day, which, by the way, we will be doing in 2021 uh, the way it looks right now. And <laughs> that's the end of July. But anyway, we are going to have a corn agronomy workshop in January, a soybean agronomy workshop in February, and then in at the end of February, Neil Kinsey, I know, is going to be here to do a workshop. When we get to March, we're going to have a tiling clinic the middle of March. We really believe that we will have things pretty well opened back up in South Dakota. A lot of farmers, hopefully by then, will have been able to get the vaccine if they've chosen to. And so we aren't planning any restrictions in terms of attendance. For our January and February workshops, 150 is what we're going to limit it to. But if you'd like to join us virtually, you certainly can. And I guess that's why we're talking about this a little bit today. It's, in our opinion, incredibly important to get continuing education. Well, how are you going to do that when you're locked down, you can't travel, all these things? Do it virtually. I mean, it's not that scary. It's not that difficult. 
so you can participate remotely and that's what we would encourage you to do. If you've got questions about that, you can certainly call us, email us. Otherwise, just go to the agphd.com website and it will give some information about our winter workshops and how you can participate. Basically, all Ag PhD magazine subscribers get in for free, and to subscribe to our magazine costs 50 bucks for five years or 20 bucks for a year. So it's virtually nothing. Anyway, we've been doing these workshops for years and years and years. It's lots of fun. We do go through a number of different things on that particular day, like for the the corn agronomy, the soybean agronomy, we're going to talk about everything from drainage and fertility. We're going to spend a lot of time on weed control, insects, diseases, planting, variety selection, you name it. But it's basically a lot of the things that you need to do to hopefully get higher yields, hopefully improve net income on your farm. A lot of changes here just even in the last year. So the economics look whole different and in my opinion lots lots better this winter than they did last winter and especially last spring or summer so anyway we are pretty excited about all that and again if you've got any questions about that just go to agphd.com and i think we can answer a lot of your questions there just with the information we have about our different workshops that are coming up all right uh, beyond that, uh, yeah, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a little bit. And again, if you've got questions for us, just email us radio at agphd.com or you can call us here 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. But when we start talking about winter workshops, and I was just talking to a couple of um, young guys this morning who uh, want to be agronomists and going through a few things with them. And I, I just said, hey, one of the most important things, I don't care if you are wanting to be an agronomist, if you are an agronomist, if you're wanting to be a farmer, if you are a farmer, one of the most important things I just told them is to be organized. You know, I was looking back at this when I was a young agronomist, there were only a few herbicides. There were only a few seed selection choices every year. There were no traits in terms of biotech traits. I mean, it was really quite simple compared to today. My point is this, with all the complexity today, you can't keep track of all of that just off the top of your head. I try to every day and it's really hard. But if you're organized, you do a good job taking notes. You, I, I, I was telling these guys this morning, I literally have scanned like every note I've taken in the last 20 years, seriously. So even right off my phone, I can take a look. I got all those things in Dropbox and I, I've got just incredible amounts of information there. So it's like, oh, hey, if I want some more information on a certain product, I go, boy, I don't remember all the details. Let me just pull it up in my notes real quick. And I've got something from even three years ago or five years ago, whatever it is. Very, very helpful. So I'd encourage you, get organized, stay organized. It'll help you move forward. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's about time. Applied at Planning, new Zyway 3D fungicide from FMC delivers foliar disease protection from planting to harvest. Active ingredient Flutriophil moves from the soil through the corn as it grows for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. For season-long protection, choose first-of-its-kind Enfuro Zyway 3D fungicide. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be talking about winter workshops and just some of the educational opportunities that that are available for farmers and non-farmers who want to learn more about farming as well, I would say. But some of these are pretty hardcore. I would say our workshops are fairly hardcore. We get right to it. We talk about a lot of things and try to deliver action plans going home. And I know we've got Neil Kinsey coming this winter too. And and Neil is is definitely hardcore on giving you great information. Uh, we'll start off on the phone lines here. We've got Jed with us right now from Michigan. Jed, how are you today? Better than I deserve. Thanks. Well, that's awesome. You know, when when you look at these workshops over the winter, what are you looking for out of workshops? What have you liked in the past, and and uh, what do you feel like you need to to learn a little bit more about? Well, last workshop I went to with you guys was uh, we drove through a blizzard uh, to get down to Illinois and uh, attend a workshop, and it was uh, gave us some things to think about, certainly. Um, your emphasis on tile really gave us, uh, had it caused us to relook some of the ground we own. I think that's been a limiting factor for us in some areas. You know, it sure has, and it's it's kind of neat just to hear things like you mentioned tile and i know where my dad grew up in iowa a lot of the farmers we talked to around there are like oh no we we've had everything tiled for years here we're good but then again you see some of the problems that are popping up and you know maybe it was good but we could be in in an even better spot so yeah getting some more education on that and getting even just the encouragement to to do more is is important because looking at 2021 are you feeling encouraged yet i mean does it feel like you got a shot to make some money next year well, it's it's nice to see the markets. Um, we're we're positioned uh, with some end users for wheat and soybeans in our area. Um, soybean markets have been encouraging. So yeah, I'm I'm more than cautiously optimistic. I'm I'm really optimistic. One of the things that uh, I took away from the the soil workshop I attended was was not agronomy. We bought your book, uh, the lessons from Dad, um, and really enjoyed it and passed it along to some other farmers. And my dad read it, and he never reads books like that. And that was a really neat, unexpected takeaway we took. 
Yeah, it is. It is surprisingly good, and I think the one of one of the things that I've heard a lot is, "Wow, that sounds just like my dad," or "That sounds just like the way I grew up." And it is. There's a lot of good wisdom there from from a previous generation. So thanks, thanks for that shout out. I really appreciate hearing that, and I know Brian does too, since that's his book, since Brian's name's on that thing. And I tease him though a lot. I got to be honest with you, Jed, that he stole a lot of my stories, but Brian's like, "Hey, it's in black and white now," and I've already claimed them, so so they're mine now. That's right. Well, one question I've got for you is, uh, I'm planning on coming out to the Kinsey workshop. I'm not real. It, excited about going to the Dakotas in February, but other than that, looking forward to that workshop. And what can I do other than bringing a three ring binder of soil samples out there with me to, to get the most out of that one? Ooh, that's a good question. Brian, what do you have for tips when, when we look at that? Have you sent any samples to Neil? So he ran them through his lab just so he'd be able to speak specifically to them. That would be one thing I would say. Yeah, we've got a few that we've sent through his workshop, but most of them are our local, um, A&L labs, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, the number one thing that we have told people is read Neil's stuff. So if you read his book, Hands-On Agronomy, for example, then at least you probably will know what what questions to ask him because you'll go, okay, I learned this, but boy, I'm not uncertain about this. You also can start looking at your own soil samples and be prepared with questions because, I mean, this is, it, it's an opportunity to talk to perhaps the world's leading soils expert. And when you have those kind of chances, it's, I mean, it's kind of like when, if people come to the Egg PhD field and we have literally some of the top farmers in the world who are there, the world record kind of people, if you come with your questions and you're ready to go right away, you'll have, you know, maybe a few minutes with that person. And if you have that, your top three questions or five questions, I mean, I would assume just even that alone, you're going to get a lot out of it. But yeah, just being around Neil and and this whole workshop for three days, you'll 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 gain a tremendous amount of knowledge, and it will also help spur you to think about more things. Just like he talked about, okay, the tiling, and it caused you to re re look at things on your farm. We're not saying we necessarily have all the answers or anything like that, but if we can generate questions and we get people thinking about their own farms. And what I always tell people is, well, you mentioned you're not looking forward to coming to South Dakota in February. No one is. But, you know, (laughs) it's hard when you're in the middle of the winter to think about your farm and your great crops that you're hoping to raise and all that. And that's one great thing I love about winter workshops and just the time of year where we're doing it. If you can go home and you're now inspired to do some more things at that time of year and learn more and study more, I mean, it's it's great. It's going to be great for your farm, just like every year when I, I listen to Neil and I talk to Neil. It's great for our farm as well. No, looking forward to it. We're almost on the same latitude you guys are, even though we've got a lot of different things here in Michigan. But our weather and our growing season are, are real short. We face some of the same challenges uh, that you guys do in the Dakotas. So we appreciate what, you, what you're teaching us. All right. Well, hey, uh, Jed, thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you this winter. Yep. Thank you. You bet. Let's talk to Terry over in Minnesota. Terry, how are you doing? I'm doing good. The weather is beautiful here for December. It's crazy. It's like upper 40s and a little breezy today, but it's ridiculously unseasonable. How about, so. how about a brown Christmas for Minnesota? That's not a bad thing, right? 
I don't think that's going to happen. No. It sounds like tomorrow, <laughs> two to four inches is what they're talking. And, See, and yep. the weather forecast makes it look like it's worse for you guys. So uh, just yep. just couldn't it. quite make it. Hey, uh, Terry, no, no, but you, it, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I would just, say it's a good thing because my little four-year-old's all worried how Santa's going to make it if there's no snow. So that's right. You do need the, the snow. Trying to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Terry, since you're on with us, I, I will just tell our listeners, Terry has been a regular participant in Ag PhD workshops. And the thing that I've always I think appreciated it's about his, Terry I think it's because his dad is, makes him come, Brian. Well, I really do. <laughs> the, but the thing I appreciate about Terry is, I mean, literally, he'll go sit in the front row. And this is one of the things that I know for both Darren and me, we've tried to do over the years as well, is, hey, if you're going to spend your time going to anything, I don't care what it is. Obviously, you said, all right, this is going to be worth my time. Well, try to get as much out of it as you can. Sit right up front, take notes, ask questions, be engaged. So, uh, Terry, I, I guess you've been doing that for a number of years. What made you start sitting in the front row and, and getting more engaged like that? It is literally trying to get the most out of the time and the opportunity. Because if you're in the front, you're not going to screw around. You're not going to get distracted. If somebody's having a conversation off on the side around you, that doesn't happen in the front, right? Where it sooner might if you're off in the, the, the abyss in the back. So I think it's more just having the opportunity to not have auxiliary distractions there. And it's easier to see and hear and whatever, even though the Morton Center is awesome for the acoustics and all that, it just, it forces you to be, to be focused, right? It, you never get the kids screwing off in the front of the class. It's always the guy in the back, you know? So that's, that's really the mindset there. One of the other things that I've appreciated is whether it's, our program, I know you've been involved in Randy Dowdy and David Hewlett's Next Level program. I think you've been to Neil Kinsey's stuff too. But, I, I mean, yep. I, I just have seen a willingness from you to try some new things in your farm and experiment. And even like where we were talking about, hey, germination tests, and you took a whole bunch of different varieties and tested germination and cold germ and, and then planted a little bit too just to see how it actually panned out. So maybe tell us, we only have about a minute left, but maybe one or two things over the years that you've kind of picked up at some of the different workshops that you really apply now on your farm. You maybe started on a small scale, but now it's a big practice for you on the whole farm. Oh, probably the biggest that's been a game changer is the fertility stuff. Right when you guys started doing the soil workshops, I know we went up to the one in North Dakota and you know, stayed overnight, all that, drove up there and just took so much away from it. And that was the starting point, which enabled us to have the confidence in me to, to do my own fertility prescriptions and take ownership of that away from just the dude at the co-op who's just trying to sell you fertilizer. I now have a much better understanding of the soil test, where my soils are at, what my problems are, um, and just the combination of all the things you had mentioned, from the Kinsey to the Doughty stuff to all your workshops, it's really given me a better understanding. There's still a whole lot to learn. I'm nowhere near being expert level at it by any stretch of imagination, but I feel like I know enough to, to have confidence that I can do it on my own and make a change and spend my dollars wisely. You know, and that, that's probably the, been the oh, that's biggest huge. thing of, of taking away. Yeah, it's, it's big. It's huge. Yep. Well, Terry, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Yeah, you too and all the listeners out there. Have a good holiday. Stay tuned. We will be right back. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. 
New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe next spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed treatment from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking to have your seed pre-treated with Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Panther, Credit Extreme, and Cheetah for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these challenging times, we know you're under pressure. New Farm's here to help. Get tough on herbicide-resistant weeds. Add Tough 5EC into your post-emergence tank mix and increase control of some of the toughest-to-kill herbicide-resistant weeds that plague corn, such as Palmer amaranth and water hemp. Tough 5EC is a selective contact herbicide with an underutilized mode of action that provides faster kill and application flexibility for post-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Back you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about winter workshops on our show today, but also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Iowa right now. we got Josh with us. Josh, thanks for joining us. No problem. Great to be here. All right, so winter workshop season, what are you looking forward to? What, what are some things on your farm you're saying, you know, I need to figure out a little more on that so I can be even better? Uh, a lot of a lot of the fertilizer. I know I've, I've attended classes in the past, and that's been a big key. Uh, di- dialing in what we have rather than whatever the co-op tells you to spread. That's been a big big deal in our operation. Is is dialing it in and, and probably getting out of some of the co-op fellows' comfort level of, of what we're putting out there. And you know, copper sulfate. You know, I get some pretty weird looks when I mention that. And you know, 
I don't think they put a lot of copper sulfate out sometimes. You know, so talking about micronutrients, that is a that is a good point. I've seen a lot of soil tests that haven't even had the micros on, or maybe they just had zinc on or something like that. What's been your experience? Have you you seen soil tests like that from your farm too, without the micros, or were they tested for micros and just not paying much attention? Luckily, I'm the guy that does the soil testing, and that's actually what I'm doing right now. Uh, using some unseasonably warm weather to get it back out here. Uh, So I get to order the soil soil test. So uh, I've kind of, you know, followed all your advice and, you know, basically get, get a soil test with the whole, the whole package and, you know, can, can really whittle down into some of those micronutrients as, you know, as well as the N, P, and K. All right, Josh, I got to ask this, just knowing where you're from, you were kind of right in that derecho area. How did you fare this year? Well, our farm is about 40 minutes away from where we live. So the farm mainly got, uh, it got some of the, you know, probably the 70, 80 mile an hour winds and the corn didn't do so hot, uh, but we didn't lose any buildings. So that was a benefit. But where I live, uh, we took a, a full full shot right there, uh, about 20 miles north of Des Moines. And, uh, you know, we cleaned up trees for, for quite a while and we were surrounded by cornfields that were, you know, flat as a flat as a parking lot. It was pretty, pretty disappointing. Yeah, that's... But the drought. The drought got us. That where we farm. The drought got us mainly. Wow. Yeah, it, it was quite the year in Iowa. I mean, normally you think Iowa. Oh no, it's going to be pretty good. And you know, honestly, you mentioned dialing in this fertility. I think a lot of folks think, well, Iowa. Don't they have just these deep black soils? Everything should be great there. But it, it sounds like there's still some work to do to make things great. There's always work to do. <laughs> you can always. You can always dial it in just a, a little tighter you know and and over the years the big yields that iowa traditionally had uses a lot of fertilizer so if it leaves and leaves the field you've got to replace it so yeah a lot of going on a lot going on in the fertility market no doubt about that what uh, let me ask you this question now when, when you're looking at what you're going to plant this year on your farm do you guys stick to a rotation even when you have a, a drought year like that or or storms or whatnot or do you switch things up based on the markets um we've tried to mix it up uh can, to play with the markets a little bit but uh, this year we we're extremely heavy corn and we were corn on corn and in a drought year uh, that didn't work out so well. So I think I'm going to go back to my dad's advice and just blindly rotate corn bean, corn bean, and don't try to outsmart myself. Yeah, it's tough to do. I know we've we've varied things a little bit on our farm too based on what we thought the opportunities were. Fortunately, the market prices have come around quite a bit from from what we were expecting. So that's a good thing. At least we've got an opportunity to make some profit this year. Uh, we're talking with Josh down in the helps. state of talking with Josh down in the state of Iowa. Josh, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for, for supporting us in the past with workshops and uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to you and go Cyclones. Thanks, Josh. Uh, let's head over to Wisconsin. I don't know if Tom's going to like that last comment as much, but Tom, how are you doing today? Great. I'm really good, Darren. Thanks. How about you? We're not doing too bad here. We're kind of excited for uh, for what's happening with some of the market prices and some of the things that are happening. Like Brian was talking a little bit about this pandemic that starting to getting some getting some vaccinations and these things going. That looks like maybe we'll get back to normal sooner rather than later. That'd be a good thing. So for yes, it would. We need a little normal. Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. So, Tom, what are you looking forward to this winter when you, when it comes to uh, winter workshops or information you want to pick up for your farm going into next season? 
Well, you know, I was thinking about this, and um, here's what I think you and, and Brian bring to the table on these workshops. And I've been to, you know, your field days and have been uh, to your know, different fertility and agronomy workshops. And I was going to try to make it to a tile workshop last year, but I ended up not making it. Um, but here's what I think happens. And, you know, I'm, I know you're going to be surprised at this, but I don't always agree with you and you and Brian. Well, I definitely don't always yeah. agree with Brian, so I can get I can certainly <laughs> agree with you on that point. Yeah, I remember the first meeting I was at, it was at the Wisconsin Corn Soy Conference, and you're talking uh, about agronomy, and I'm going, he's wrong. And uh, so what I find happened, and, and not that you're wrong, but I think in agriculture here, we get stuck in a term they call confirmational bias. You know, sure. we look for everything we can to confirm what we believe and why we're doing what we're doing. And that's the value I think you guys bring to us. It's not just the radio program. It's not just a TV. It's not just the field dates and the workshops. But, and I'll give you a specific example why I, I like listening to you guys and why I appreciate and enjoy your workshops, because it helps me break these conditional biases down. And I can prove it by some of the things that I've done here on my farm is, is pretty much the uh, percent base saturation. You know, you want 4%, 8% of potassium. And of course, in Wisconsin, you know, they don't use percent base saturation. You know, it's all sufficiency levels of our, you know, our nutrients. And so the first time I heard you talk about that, I'm going, well, you're wrong. Well, then I think about it and I try this and I'll try a little bit here. And then I go to another workshop and I listen to you and I listen to you on the radio and watch the uh, egg PhD TV program on occasion. And I try it and I go, yeah, maybe what I was taught and what I believe isn't always true. And that's the value I really get from you guys because you challenge me to think differently sometimes. And as farmers, that's pretty hard for us to do. And, uh, but that's where the value comes in because you, you give us different things to think about, disagree with, and ultimately try and go, yeah, maybe you are right. Well, I appreciate that, Tom. Thanks for saying that. I, I think about it this way too, when before we were doing any of the Ag PhD media work, we were just farming and where were we getting all of our information and how are we putting it into practice? You know, it was, well, what did we do last year? How do we tweak that just a little bit and moving forward with the same assumptions get better. And what we found is as we started broadening our scope too of where we were finding information, it didn't all agree. And so, yeah, kind of the same thing that, that got us into this in the beginning. And now, of course, with the two of us, we are actual brothers, which means we aren't allowed to agree on everything. So when we find areas of disagreement, it's kind of fun because we get to try some different things out and okay, I don't know if we need quite that much or I need, we need more of this. And then we can see how it works out on the field. But Tom, I think one of the big things for us has just been the fact that we are all over the United States and we do a bunch of stuff through Canada as well. So we're talking to farmers constantly about, okay, what's working for you? What what are you doing? How are you improving yields? And we try to take a lot of those things and we're, we're trying them out then with other farmers and ourselves and looking for data all the time and trying to develop our own data. And we also do research in a number of of different U.S. states ourselves and we have some research people and so it's just it's constantly trying to get better and always challenging the idea of okay are we actually right let's let's actually prove it and even with the really high yield guys like I mentioned Randy Doubting David Hewler earlier in the show there's some things they do on our farm that they can't do on their own farms and vice versa I mean it just 
we're we are in a whole different environment just like you in Wisconsin I mean that's a different environment than if you're down in the southern United States and it's a different environment than if you're on the east coast west coast whatever so you got to take some of the basic things and then kind of go from there Yep, and that's what I found by listening to you guys. You know, like I said, I still don't agree with everything, but you have helped change some of the conditional biases, that I, confirmational biases that I've had, and, and that's where I really see the value come in. And you get to hear other people talk about what they're doing on their yep. farms. Right. And uh, it's almost like having a, a, a big BS session with all your neighbors. <laughs> Except it's a great big neighborhood. Yep, that's for sure. And I always tell people, look, whether we're right or we're wrong, at least try some new things each year on your farm and prove it to yourself. That's the main thing. Start in a small scale, go from there. Hey, Tom, we get to run, but uh, thanks a lot for the time. Uh, appreciate you calling in and have a Merry Christmas. Great. Same to you guys. Yep, thanks. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. I'll take predictability where I can get it. With their CropWise Seed Selector, NK Seeds combines local knowledge and local data to show me where their seed fits. And even where it doesn't. Because out here, predictability is hard to come by. And success matters. Find your seed at nkseeds.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. 
Always read and follow label instructions. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It is time for the Ag PhD mailbag. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or give us a phone call, 844-44-AG-PHD. First one comes from Kevin down in Iowa, and he wants to talk about phosphorus. He said, I hear Brian say that he likes 100, and I'm pointing out Brian on this one, that he likes to see 100 parts per million of phosphorus on a soil test. My question is, what's the maximum amount of phosphorus that you would like to see in a soil test when I have a 15 to 25 CEC? I can give you a little background. I understand your ratios with zinc and copper and so forth. But I'm just wondering, is 300 parts per million the max you'd like to see? Just curious your thoughts and what other considerations should be made with high phosphorus levels. Okay, so the only time, let's be honest, the only time we see high phosphorus levels is when somebody has manure or compost. I mean, that they are, what they will say to us, I'm trying to get rid of it. (laughs) So it's almost always livestock people. And I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with 300 parts per million of phosphorus. We just have to be careful about where it is. So for example, you might say, well, wait a second here. I'm on a manure management plan and I can only have whatever. My state is telling me 50 parts per million or 100 or whatever your limit is. I don't know. But I would ask you this, how deep do they test? They're typically only testing six six inches deep, and quite frankly, they don't even need to test that deep. They should test about two inches and call it good, because if it's down in the ground, it's not going anywhere. I mean, now granted, if you've got 5,000 parts per million, yes, it's possible that that phosphorus could leach in, in really light soil, in really high water tables. It could end up in somebody's water. That would be bad. So we don't want that. But those are very extreme cases, and it's like 0.0001% of all the phosphorus in the United States and Canada. So I I guess in terms of what's the maximum I'd like to see, I'm not really too worried about the maximum because it almost never happens. But, I mean, we Darren and I look at soil tests all the time, and it's almost never when that soil test says over 200 or 300 parts per million of phosphorus. The big thing to keep in mind is if you're going to have a lot of phosphorus in that soil and you want to maintain that, then you have to have quite a bit of copper, quite a bit of potassium, quite a bit of zinc. So you get things in ratio. Now, if you say, well, wait, I I realize that now I have a crazy amount of phosphorus out here. I'm just not going to apply it for a few years. And I'm in a, uh, there's a different situation with manure, with the livestock in my area, whatever. If I'm going to lower it over time, it doesn't take very long to get your phosphorus levels down if you have big time yields. You will remove a lot of phosphorus from the soil with a huge corn yield. And so if you do that five years in a row, all of a sudden you could take that 300 parts per million down to 100 or less real easy. So it all depends on what your goal is. Do you want to maintain it or do you want to get it down? But no, I'm really not too worried about the high end other than those very, very, very extreme situations. And if I'm seeing something over 300 parts per million, it's almost all the time I'm just going to say, you know, I'd probably suggest you take your fertilizer dollars and spend them differently. But it's usually just these manure situations that we're talking about. All right. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that, Kevin. Got this from USM who says, 
you were talking about Johnson grass. I'm wondering, why doesn't somebody embrace this grass and find out what it's good for instead of trying to eradicate it? It seems to be very prolific, and I'm sure that it must have some use other than just to have farmers try to kill it. Hey, thanks, USM. We appreciate that. We do get these kinds of questions about a lot of different weeds that we talk about. Why don't you use it for food, or why don't we use it for some industrial purpose or something like that? What we're talking about is controlling things that are out in the middle of a field, and we are trying to raise something for production, like corn or soybeans or... Well, when you you say out in the middle of a field, out in the middle of a different crop, not Johnson grass. Sure, Johnson grass can be used to prevent erosion. It, it can be used for a number of different things, but everything is a weed if it's in the wrong place. So corn's the number one crop in the United States, but I, I talk to farmers every year. I mean, on literally, and this is no joke, millions of acres of soybeans where we are killing corn. I make recommendations every single year to thousands of farmers on millions of acres to kill corn. So a weed can be anything when it's in the wrong place. Right. Thanks for the question. Got a couple uh, along lines of today's topic of winter workshops. First one comes from Kevin. How will the online signups work for your upcoming workshops? I have a subscription to the Ag PhD Insider magazine uh, already. Well, thanks, Kevin. First of all, uh, yeah, as we were talking about, we will have some some different perks for being an Ag PhD Insider magazine subscriber. We'll we'll have uh, access to some of the workshop material that that we're doing, so you can tune into that. Uh, where are we going to put that out? Is it going to be on on the Ag PhD? What, Insider? what are you talking about? Uh, for where are we going to put what out? Uh, how do you get into the workshop when you're a magazine subscriber? How does that work? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I, we're I, not we're not the IT <laughs> specialists here, Kevin. But tell you what, we'll have somebody follow up with you on that and and send you whatever the details are. But I'm sure we'll be posting that on the website or putting it in future magazines as well. Yeah, it's not putting it in the magazine. It's we're we'll be sending emails out saying, all right, now you can uh, get into this because you're an Ag PhD Insider subscriber. And if you have questions on that, just send us an email, radio at agphd.com. If you get in and you're not, you're worried about it two days beforehand and you haven't found, you haven't gotten a link, you haven't received your link to get into the workshop. Yeah, Dave had basically the same question. So for, for Dave as well, we'll, we'll send you the same information. Uh, next one that we've got, though, we've got a multi-part question here. We'll take the first part. Uh, before this break. This is from Brandon. He said, let me give you a little setup. He said, I'm in western Nebraska. Typically, we get three to seven inches of rainfall, and it's hot and windy often. About every fifth year or so, we'll get 10 or 14 inches of rain. Unfortunately, a lot of times it comes about all at once. And then, of course, we get hail in our area. So we've got a lot of risk out here, and our production is generally not the highest. So we have to be careful as we're trying new things because we're literally betting the farm. So here's a few questions. First of all, low soil pH. We've got low soil pH. Lime is over 100 miles away, so it's kind of expensive. Is there any other approach I can take to raise the pH of my soil? Now, uh, Brandon, you only sent us one soil test, but I see that the pH in that is a 5.9. Honestly, at a 5.9, I'm not super worried about no, it. I'm no, not going to spend. is not bad. And when soil is extra dry, then that might be one-tenth, two-tenths low. Okay, so the base saturation, I'm just looking right now. We've got 17% hydrogen, 60 
8% calcium, 14% magnesium, 8.5% potassium, and 0.3% sodium. And I, I didn't give you the decimal on some of those, Brian, but... It's all just about perfect. Yeah, basically, I mean, if there was a, use... a, a, just a, a tiny little bit of, of lime, you'd be in good shape. Yeah. What's the CEC? The CEC is, in this particular one, 11. Okay, 11. So, I, I mean, it's going to take just a whiff of yeah, lime. Yeah, so you could use some pelletized lime. That might be the way very for your supplier lime. to get it there to you, the cheapest. Yes, very little lime you're going to need. Yeah, anything that would get a little bit more calcium out there would be a good thing because then your calcium base saturation percentage goes up and your hydrogen yeah, percentage goes down. don't get carried away on light soil. You're you're at a 5.9. You want to be at a 6.3. And I think you're, you might be low. It might actually be a 6 or 6.1 because your ground's extra dry. If you're trying to get to a 6.3 from a 6.1 and 11 CEC, you need like 50 pounds of pelletized lime, and that's it. I, so don't quote me on that, but I'm just saying you need almost nothing. So don't get too worried about it. It's no big deal. Yeah. And the, the K is great. So those factors, to me, look really good. Like you should be getting uh, getting decent yield. So then we start focusing on the other nutrients, sulfur, phosphorus, and some of the different micros. Well, and that leads us into the next question. He said, we really enjoy hearing you guys tackle the soil sample issues out there. We've got a field that acts almost toxic to nearly everything that we plant. It's historically been a wheat fallow situation uh, as the traditional rotation until we acquired it. And now, now we've been changing things. We've been incorporating some millet and sorghum into the rotation along with wheat in a no-till system for about 10 years. Just wonder if you could look at this soil sample for us and help diagnose why it seems to be a place crop goes to die. Hey, Brandon, thank you so much. I appreciate the sample. We'll get to your question right after this. We're also taking your calls and questions here throughout the rest of the show. If you'd like to get in with an agronomic question, it's 844 844- 44 Ag PhD. We'll be right back. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with high striker treated nitrogen. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and 
grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at OpenSkyHerbicide.com. A history of success means proven performance. But let's call performance what it is. Profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of Decal brand corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKal brand corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Right before the break, we were answering a question from Brandon in western Nebraska. And he asked about soil tests and if there was anything on a particular field where he said crops go to die. Um, That doesn't sound great, all right? But when I look at his soil tests, I would just say, and we talked already about, hey, the K levels look good, magnesium's good, calcium's uh, pretty good. It's just the hydrogen's a hair high on 11 CEC soil. So first of all, when you get very little rain and you have an 11 CEC soil, that is what we would consider a medium textured soil and the light end of medium medium soil. So it's not going to hold a lot of moisture. And that's really the number one problem. When you don't get rain, there, there's nothing much that's going to happen there. So what we try to do is make sure that there is ample amount of an ample amount of fertility for that plant. What happens with plants is when they start to run short on any one nutrient, they'll try bringing more water into in from the soil because that's how they get their nutrients in. So what you want to do is make sure you're feeding that crop well, which means you're not going to make the crop a water waster. So fertility and good levels of fertility are even more important in dry areas like Brandon's than it would be for some farmer in Illinois, for example. Not that it's not important in Illinois, but I'm just saying you've got to have good fertility levels. And here are the things that I see when I look at Brandon's tests. He's got nine parts per million of P1 phosphorus. Okay, so that's really super low. Sulfur, five parts per million, really super low. Zinc, 1.2 parts per million. It's on the low side. Copper, 0.8, way too low. Boron, 0.3 parts per million, way too low. So those are the things that I would want to get up. Now, you say, well, wait a second. He doesn't get much rainfall. He can't afford to put much stuff out there. Look, if it's something you're worried about losing, like let's say it's nitrogen. Yes, we got to be careful about what we're doing with nitrogen. But is he really going to lose his boron when he has no rain? I don't think so. Is he going to lose copper, zinc, or phosphorus? Not a chance in the world if it's down in the ground at least a little bit. Okay, if you lay these immobile nutrient, the immobile soil nutrients on the soil surface like phosphorus, then sure you're subject to losing them due to erosion. So just put them down in the ground and you're in good shape. All right. His next question here was: He says, 
It seems like I'm always hearing about the dangers of overdoing in-furrow fertilizer. However, what about total load we're dumping on our dirt? Well, we significantly, well, we apply significantly less than most farmers do due to the lack of moisture in our region. Should we have concerns with increasing salts in the ground or lowering the pH over time? Uh, when I look here, your soluble salt level is really, really low. Your sodium level is really, really low. You're fine. In fact, I'd almost say there's not enough salt out there. So nope, you don't have any worries at this point. And no, I'm not worried about total load in the soil. That is very rarely a concern unless, like we were talking earlier in the show, you're putting on crazy amounts of manure or compost. You are not, so you're just fine. You, I would put on a lot more fertilizer than you're doing now. But you have to be careful about where you place it in, in relation to the seed. So yes, in terms of in furrow, you got to be careful. Anyway, uh, his last question here, he goes, I'm stubborn enough, or maybe just broke enough, to be farming in the great American desert. This usually means I have a large disheartening cloud of dust rolling behind the driller planter, even in full no-till. In these bone-dry situations, can a very low rate of, of low salt starter with a very high rate of water in furrow help secure emergence with corn or wheat? Yes, it can. Any other tips for at least getting the crop out of the ground consistently while I pray for rain? Well, we farm in a dry area too, not as dry as yours, but it is dry very often. And one of the things that we got from our dad is plant to moisture. And we really saw that last spring where the top two inches were absolutely bone dry. There was no moisture there. So we socked the corn and the beans in just a little deeper than normal. If we did not do that, if we didn't get down to moisture, then we didn't get as consistent of emergence. It, the plants eventually came up, but we don't want that. We want them to come up all at about the same time. So anyway, if you can plant down to moisture, make sure you have really good press wheels. Make sure you're closing that furrow well and getting good as good a seed-to-soil contact as you possibly can. There are other biologicals that we will use, for example. Heat shield is one of them I think about in very dry conditions. But yeah, you have to be a little bit careful, a lot careful with what you're doing. Last thing I'll leave you with, Brandon, is this. Our dad came from north central Iowa, and he talked, he talked all the time in his life. Uh, he passed away about a year and a half ago, but he talked all the time in his life about how it's the most valuable ground in the world where he came from. Super rich soil, almost all pattern tiled. They had just about what he felt was perfect rainfall, great growing conditions. And then he married our mom, and a couple years later, they moved to South Dakota to farm. And he said it was very scary because you get so much less rain here than he did back there. And he said what he learned is in Iowa, rain corrected his mistakes. He just always said, look, not that you don't have to be a great farmer in Iowa or anywhere with lots of rain, but he said, you just can't make mistakes when you don't have rain. So in your situation, I agree with one of his very first comments was just how important it is to do things right. Absolutely. You've got to do a great job farming. You have to almost be an expert to be able to farm in those very tough conditions. But yeah, you improve the fertility a little bit. And the important thing to keep in mind with that fertility is it's not a one-year investment. Okay, You want to get your soil levels up. That's the, the fertility is going to stay there for years 
because of your lack of moisture and just the the medium textured soil you have. So, I mean, you don't want to overdo it with the mobile nutrients like nitrogen, but you've got to get your levels up on things like phosphorus. So they're kind of in ratio with potassium with your nice high level of K. You got to get your phosphorus up as well as, um, you know, some of those other nutrients like zinc and boron. Oh, and copper as well. All right. Thanks for the questions. We really appreciate that. Got this from Matt. Uh, back to our workshop topic today. He said, I, I'm wondering about your Neil Kinsey seminar. Are you still planning on having that? Will you require masks in the Morton Center? Just wondering, since uh, on the show and now online, it, it shows a lot of stipulations for some of the seminars that are coming up. Just wondering how the pandemic is impacting Neil's workshop. Okay. Well, first of all, we are in the state of South Dakota, which has almost no regulations on stuff. And our COVID numbers are crashing right now. So it's basically half of what it was just a month ago. And like I was saying a little earlier, by the time Neil's workshop shows up, that's two months from now, there will be a lot in, I believe, I I assume there will be a lot of farmers who by then will have already had the opportunity to get the vaccine. Uh, At this point, we are not requiring masks Uh, But, you know, we do encourage people to follow CDC guidelines, which at the moment means wearing wearing masks. Uh, Also, we've got a 12,000 square foot meeting facility here right at the site of the Ag PhD field day. So if you put 150 people in 12,000 square feet, that just tells you, uh, yeah, we can social distance very well. The only thing that's actually proven to work in terms of COVID transmission and reducing that is social distancing. It's not masks. It's not anything else other than potentially this vaccine. So we're really excited that you know the vaccine's out and, and two of them now, and hopefully things are going to be getting better soon. All right. Thanks for the question. Got this one from Ishak from Pakistan who said, I'm wondering about reducing sodium levels in my soil. I've got agricultural land that I'm having trouble growing some crops on. We've got very high levels of sodium. Where would you start? I would want to see the soil test. I don't know where to start if I don't see the soil test, but most likely we're talking about you may need to improve drainage. We do that with drain tile, put drain tile in the ground, and then you get the the flow of water going down. Just as an example, in the state of Arizona, you would think, okay, it's super hot and relatively dry, but there's a lot of irrigation there. And the problem with the irrigation is there is going to be some sodium and salts in that irrigation water. Well, anyway, the point is when it's so hot and the air is dry, then there's a lot of evaporation. When evaporation occurs, then you're leaving more sodium and more salts at or near the soil surface, and that's a real problem. So what you want is to have things move down and out through the ground. And when you pump enough water on and you've got tile down below, then you can move the water away that way, and and that will flush things out. So with sodium, you need to turn it into a salt for it to be leachable. So that means trying to combine it with something like sulfur or sulfate. So if you create sodium sulfate, that's a salt. It's leachable. You can flush that out with normal rainfall or with irrigation. Great question. Thank you so much for that. And if you have a soil test to send us, radio at agphd.com is the address. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.